Well, we are um, continuing on in our series looking at the mission of God and what the mission of God looks like in our own lives. Um, last week we had uh, Jay guest speaking for us, um, talking about what it looks like to, to share the gospel with others, to live a life uh, for the purpose of God that, that shares the good news with others. And so we're continuing to look at the mission of God, what it, what it looks like for us to, to live for the purposes of God. Um, we're, we're continuing our time here and our, our conversations in uh, many of our life groups, trying to, to equip us and prepare us to be missionaries uh, in the places that we live, where we are, in, in, in our context which is our, our place where we work, our place where we live, uh, uh, our homes, our, our neighborhoods, uh, the places that we shop. What does it look like to be a missionary where we're at? How do we shift our thinking about ourselves that goes past uh, being just church members and, and church attenders and into being ambassadors for Christ? Ambassadors representing the kingdom of God to the world around us. Ones who are sent into the world to be a part of God's mission in the world. His mission to bring reconciliation and, and restoration to all things. We live lives that are different. We live lives that are, are set apart. We, we strive to, to right living toward God. And we see that we are part of a larger story something from the, the time of creation on into the future. It shows us the promises of God that, that were made and are fulfilled. It shows us the promises that give us hope for a future and motivate us to live for God's purposes. And so the story that we're all a part of leads us to new beginnings leads us to what God is doing for all of creation. And so the promises that God gives us, these promises that we hold on to, they give us a hope for a future, that we have something to look forward to. Even, even when things do not appear to be going well around us, we have hope for a future. And that motivates us and drives us in our mission and as we talked about last week, we, we go to proclaim the good news, right? We are all sent to go, and, and hopefully you took those little half sheets that, that talk about my go people, and you, you spent some time thinking about who are the people in your life, who are the people in relationships around you that you can be sharing the good news with? Who can you be intentionally building relationships with, getting to know finding out more about them, starting conversations. And with all of this, we, we look at, at what it means to have a mission-shaped life in our own contexts, in our own spaces, in our school, in our work, in our neighborhood, in our, in our families, in our social groups, in the world as a whole. And so, if we are part of God's story and if we are part of God's mission, one of the things that, that we need to talk about is what it looks like to care for the broken, to care for the suffering, and to care for the marginalized. That Jesus is about something in his ministry. He's about people who are broken. He's about people who are suffering. He's about people who are pushed to the margins 
And so if we're going to reflect that in our own lives, what does it look like to live for the broken? To live for the suffering? To live for the marginalized? But before we get into that, we are going to spend some time, again, dwelling in the Word. And so each of you have a piece of paper that, that was in the chair, and I want you to take that piece of paper, I want to walk you through this exercise again. And for those of you who are unsure or uneasy or a bit panicked, just calm yourself. This is not just um, an exercise to be novel, an exercise to be different or to shake things up. Um, this, is, this is an exercise that can be used in gatherings of people of any size to really discern the Word of God. And we're intentionally using the same passage week after week after week because, honestly, we're all a bit dense, right? Like, it takes a while for things to sink in. And the Spirit will, will move in different conversations where I will hear somebody else say something, and the Spirit will work through that, and I will now hear the Word of God in a new and fresh way. And so it's not just about reading the text and listening to the text, but it's also about listening to one another and allowing the Spirit to work through us to speak to one another and for us to exercise the practice of listening, which we are all honestly really bad at, right? Like, we don't listen well. And so this is an exercise in listening to one another as well, okay? And so this is why we're going through this practice. We're not going to do it every Sunday. Uh, we, we'll probably do it one more week and we'll be done with it for a while. But it gives us an opportunity to listen to the Word of God. We went through this in our life group last Sunday afternoon, and it took up our entire time because the Spirit moved through our conversations where as we were wondering, why are we reading this again? We're like, huh, God is saying something here. And we had an incredible conversation around what God is doing through this passage. And so be open to what the Spirit has to say to us through these words. So I'm going to read through this text again. We're going to listen. I'm going to pray that that the Spirit will speak to you through this time. We're going to read through it, listen. We'll have a, a moment of quiet just for you to reflect on what it is that you've heard. And then we're going to, to break up and, and share with a reasonably friendly-looking stranger what it is that you've heard. Okay, so let's pray, and then we will read. God, would you move through this time in the Word? Spirit, would you illuminate these words to us? Would you give us ears to hear, hearts to believe? God, we, we want to hear from you this morning. As you are present with us in this time, would you allow us the opportunity to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it is for God. If we're in a right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be the sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. go ahead and be standing. And so the goal of this time is to find a reasonably friendly looking stranger, someone who doesn't look too scary, and go share with one another what you've heard. Each person take a turn. What is it that caught your imagination in this passage? What caught your imagination? Spend a couple minutes sharing with one another the answer to that. And then we'll, we'll wrap up and head, head back to our seats. So go ahead and find somebody. If, if you be good brothers and sisters, and if you see somebody that looks a little bit panicked or new or unsure of what's happening, try to go and, and help them out a little bit. We'll just spend about five minutes here, so not a lot of time. Probably start by introducing yourselves.
All right, so we've been going through this passage. This is week five of this series, so we've gone through this passage several times. Many of us are going through it in our, our life groups every week as well, so we're going through it a lot. Um, for, for those of you who have done this passage more than once over the last month, um, how many of you heard something new this time, um, something stood out to you new that you did not get before? Great. Okay, good. Good. So we're, we're continuing to digest this and listen to what it is that God has for us. Um, a next step of this that we're not going to have time or space to do here is then, then to gather up with a larger group and share what it is that you heard one another say. All right, so what is it that, that, that you're hearing others say through this? And then collectively, is God saying something to, to the group through this time? Is God, is God speaking to us collectively? So there's this discernment process. Um, and so as we, as we go through this in our life groups, it gives us an opportunity to, to talk through this in more depth as we think about what it is that God is speaking to us about um, through this time. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to focus in on this idea of living for the broken and the suffering and the marginalized. For us to understand Paul talking about new creation, we have to think about what is creation. In Genesis, we have this, this image of creation that is, is good. It's beautiful. And so if something is being made new, it means that something is broken. If something is, is needing to be restored, then it means something has fallen apart. If, if something needs to be reconciled, it means things are at odds with one another. And so we have this image of creation, this perfect and beautiful thing that God says is good. We have humans that are made in the image of God that is good. But something comes in and destroys that. Sin comes in, right? And now creation is not good. There's this brokenness, this suffering, this change in how God has designed things to be. And so what was beautiful and what was good, we now experience brokenness and imperfection. And so if we are to be ministers of reconciliation, if we are to be ambassadors for Christ, if we are given this ministry of reconciliation, what is this reconcili reconciliation that we're bringing? That we're a part of God's work to make things good and beautiful. That where things are broken, we are called to help and bring healing. Where there is suffering, we are called to bring relief. And where there are those who are marginalized and pushed out on the edges, we are called to bring all together in unity and reconciliation. God is working to restore the beautiful. Is that good news? That God is restoring the beautiful, and we're called to be a part of that. To be a part of what he is doing in making things beautiful. God uses us to restore 
This is not like an HGTV episode where we just get to watch the restoration happening from a distance, right? How many of you love those home improvement shows? I love those home improvement shows. I get to sit comfortably in my chair and watch the whole house get remodeled in 30 minutes. How perfect is that? But we're not called to sit on the couch and watch it happen. We're called to be a part of making it happen. There was um, several years ago, um, what, what is the, the, the show that comes in and does uh, the, the dream makeover? They come to Albuquerque. And my dad got to be one of the subcontractors participating in that project, right? And so there's this opportunity to participate in the restoration of something, in the rebuilding of something. Not just watch the show. Not just watch from the sidelines. And for every single one of us, we are called into participation with God in living for the broken and living for the suffering, and living for the marginalized. And so, on the back of your paper, if you want to take this with you and, and do a little bit of, of activity here, on the back of your paper, just fold it in half, divide it into two sides, and we're going to do a little bit of brainstorming here. And so, on one side, we have this great artwork of a happy face right? This is not charades. I won't do all my, my fancy art. I could do much better than this, I promise. God makes things beautiful. Things are good. And we see in the world around us beautiful things, right? And I'm not talking about a fleshly, worldly beauty pageant beautiful. I'm talking about things that, from God's point of view, are beautiful. The way things were created to be. But then we have this other side here. It is a sad face, right? And these are the things that are broken, right? We've got the beautiful and the broken. And in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, whatever context that we find ourselves in, we, we have things that are beautiful, the things that were, were designed the way God designed them to be, and we have things that are broken, that are not the way God designed them to be. So let's think just about our neighborhood here, right, right around uh, where, where we're located right now, our neighborhood. What are things that are beautiful in the neighborhood around us? What do we see that is beautiful, the way God designed it to be? And I'm going to ask you to throw out some answers. Trees, mountains, Babies, that baby specifically, <laughs> that baby right there is beautiful. What else? What do we see that's beautiful? Flowers, sunshine, the sky, our mountains. 
Construction, hallelujah. Snow, rain, seasons. Huh? Oh, yes, okay. All right. What else is beautiful? Smiles, mercy, this gathering, families. What else? We have schools with administrators who are very passionate about the kids in their classes. We have neighbors wanting to care for one another. We have people finding forgiveness and grace, finding new relationships. There are beautiful things that are happening in this neighborhood. Physical things, relational things, emotional things. What do we see that's broken in our neighborhood? Homelessness, crime, addiction, divorce. Families that are broken in a variety of ways. A lack of faith. Infidelity. Prisons. Drugs. Politics. Only your politics, not my politics. <laughs> Secularism. Hunger. Pain, sorrow, poverty, overindulgence and greed, traffic, selfishness, tragedies. We can go on and on about the brokenness, mental health issues, relational issues, personal issues. And we're here together in this space. How many of those broken things have, have touched your personal life, your family life, your immediate family? How far do we have to go to see brokenness? Not very far. We have 200 stories in here of brokenness that we can personally relate to in our own lives, and we don't have to look far, to see that the world is not how God designed it to be. But in all of those things, and all of those situations, if we have God's eyes for beauty, we can start to see some beautiful things in those as well. That it's easy for us to start coming up with labels. It's easy for us to start coming up with classifications. It's easy for us to, to come up with de definitions of things that quickly put people into different categories. But we see beauty 
in everything. No one is immune to brokenness. No economic class. No ethnic background. No gender, no race. They're not immune from brokenness. But they're also not immune from the beautiful and the goodness of God. And so when we think about brokenness and suffering and marginalized, I think all of us have um, certain assumptions and certain definitions and, and certain things, that something that pops into mind when we think about those things, right? And so let's broaden our aperture a little bit as we think about broken and suffering and marginalized. Broken is people who are hurt and to a certain degree have given up hope. How many of us know someone who's broken with that definition? Absolutely. How many of us even have some of that brokenness ourselves? Right, that we are hurt, there are things that we can't get over, there's, there's places in our lives where we've given up hope. Brokenness is not something for someone somewhere else. Suffering is pain and hardship. Do we know people that are suffering? No one said anything about cancer whenever we think about broken. Death and hurt. There's this suffering that, that many of us go through and people that we're close to that, that we're, we're trying to go through the motions of life. We have coworkers, right, who are, or, who are suffering through a diagnosis, suffering through a, a, a relationship, suffering through a situation, suffering through trials and hardships. We have these things that give us distress. And so do you know people who are suffering around you? The marginalized? This is one of those words that gets pushed around in different political things. But the marginalized are the ones who are just pushed to the edge of a group. They're, they're, they're pushed to the fringes, given lesser importance. They're excluded, and their needs and their desires are ignored. There's a lot of people who can be considered marginalized, depending on the group that they're in. If you're in a room full of white men, there's a long list of people who are marginalized based on gender and ethnicity and race. People find themselves pushed to the fringes for a variety of reasons. It could be their economic status, it could be a disability, it could be skin color or gender or sexuality, people who are pushed to the fringes for a variety of reasons. And so think about who are the suffering, who are the broken, who are the marginalized in the world around you. And I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about like your next door neighbor, your coworkers, the people in your home, your kids, your grandkids. Right? Who are the ones that are broken and suffering and marginalized? It, it, it's not easy if we list all of these things out. It's not easy for us to, to, to clearly delineate which column some things need to go in, right? We, use the, we, we, we said poverty, right? 
poverty. Where does poverty fit in to beautiful and broken? Is the opposite of poverty wealth? And the wealth, the wealthy, and the elite, the elite and the powerful very clearly fit into which column? We can't say that poverty is here and wealth is here. Because there's beauty that is found in the poor. And there is brokenness found in the rich. And so, so looking at the world around us requires that we prayerfully ask God to give us his eyes. That we can see beauty as he defines beauty. What is beautiful in the world around us? Who is beautiful in the relationships around us? God, would you give us the eyes to see beauty the way you see beauty? Not with our stereotypes, not with our cultural expectations, but with God's eyes, what is beautiful? And at the same time, God, would you give us an eye for the broken? Because many of us just move past the brokenness around us and we hide it in our comfortable little suburbs. God, would you help us to see what is really broken in the relationships around us, in our households, in our families, in our kids, in our grandkids, in our neighbors, in our coworkers? God, what is broken? And if we can see what is beautiful, and if we can see what is broken, then we can fulfill God's call to be missionaries in the world around us. That we are ambassadors of Christ, bringing in and fighting for and celebrating the beautiful and looking at ways that we can heal the, the broken and the suffering and the marginalized. That, that the kingdom that we operate in is completely different than the world around us. The political system that we are in is different than the kingdom that we operate in because we are called to be ambassadors. We are called to be ministers that bring about new creation. Restoring the things as they should be. Restoring to the beauty that God intended things to be in. And so, God, would you give us the eyes to see what is beautiful and to see where things are broken, where there is suffering. The Bible shows us not a God who abandons his people. He shows us, the, the Bible shows us a God who cares deeply for people, deeply for the poor deeply for the broken, deeply for the suffering, and deeply for the marginalized. God pursues his people. He cares for his people. And his people are all people. Not only does God care very much for the poor and the broken and the marginalized, he expects his people to do the same. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good 
And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of us? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. That's bringing about the beauty that God has designed. And working to eliminate the brokenness that we see around us. It's a pretty high bar. A challenge for us. We see and become overwhelmed by the things that are around us. But we see modeled in Jesus, the one that we claim to follow, we see modeled in him this behavior. This passion. This heart. Even in Luke chapter 4, when he comes in and, and launches his ministry, he comes in to the gathering of the people in Nazareth. He comes in and he unrolls a scroll and reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll and goes and sits down. And all eyes are on him. And he simply says, today this scripture is fulfilled in me. This is the ministry of Jesus. And this is the ministry that we're called to carry on. Jesus is saying of himself that he has come to proclaim the good news to the poor to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to, to bring healing for the disabled, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the Lord's favor. And then he just sits down. Says, yep, that's happening. That's what I've come to do. And that's what he calls us to do. Calls us into this, to be administrators of his grace. To those who are broken, to those who are suffering, to those who are marginalized. And, and we bear God's newness, his goodness, his reconciliation. As, as ambassadors, we bring the good news to those around us. Good news that there is hope for a future. Good news that God is making all things new. Good news that God cares for us and is with us. I want us to... I, want, I just want to share a few stories of things that are happening just in this, this community. Things that are happening through us. Uh, Faith, if you want to go ahead and come up as well. So last night, um, the, the student ministry got together and um, spent time in the community and in the neighborhood. This is Faith. Say hi, Faith. We have not adequately introduced Faith, um, which I'm so sorry for. So uh, Faith has been interning with our student ministry um, through, through the summer and into the fall. She's a nursing student at UNM and has just been doing an incredible job building relationships with our students and teaching our Sunday morning class, uh, being with us on Wednesday night. Um, but I've asked her to share just a, a little recap of what they did last night. I think it's on. So. Hey, everyone. So uh, last night, our youth group had a thanks night. 
So basically what we did is we all met at the church office and we broke up into teams with parent volunteers and with the youth students and each team was given $100 and a couple hours to just go anywhere in the city with the instructions to just serve the city in whatever way they wanted to or felt led to. And then after that, we all met back up and we had a time of worship and we shared stories about the experiences we had and what God was doing in the city and what we got to do through God or what God got to do through us, sorry. Um, and it was, really, it was really cool to see, just to see the city, well, try to see, as you were saying, like try to see things through God's eyes and have that opportunity to go out and, and serve the city. We had one group that just went to a Walmart and got 40 blankets and then went to down central and areas where people uh, were cold basically and just give out blankets. Uh, my team, we got a bunch of coffee and donuts and gave them to ER nurses at the VA hospital. Uh, just things like that going out everywhere. And it was really cool to see the students um, and the youth and we could all work together to, to do good, I guess. Yeah, thank you. How'd I push that button? Just an exercise to, to, for our students to be seeing through this lens, right? What is beautiful or what could be made beautiful and what is broken and how can we just do a little bit to fix that brokenness? Um, there's other things. We have um, children um, on Wednesday night who um, we, we have a children's program in the downstairs of our offices and the adults have workshops uh, and those, those are actual classrooms um, that are the portables. Uh, if you've driven by, um, those are actually classrooms. Um, and so we have workshops going on there. And so, so there are people who come to the workshops um, partly because of the content of the workshops. A lot of people are coming because of the relationships that have been formed through the time in those workshops. Um, we have some who the kids come to the kids program and insist that their parents come to the workshops, right? And so there is this generational drive to say, I want to be a part of what's happening here. And these are relationships that were formed uh, through the dinners that we were doing in the gym, in the old building, for years, right? And so there's, there's relationships that have been formed over time. Um, families that started out in those dinners who are now leading in ministries and participating in life groups and, and reading scripture in classes, being, being a part of, of what is going on here as we've developed relationships over time. Um, we see people pooling together resources uh, to provide for needs within their their life groups and, and care for the people within their life groups. And um, we've got our SHINE partnership where, where we're helping students with science fair projects and, and helping provide weekend groceries and, and reading with kids. We have people who are visiting the sick and the shut-ins and hospital, those who are hospitalized. We have a prayer ministry that meets every Sunday morning that is, is praying that the beautiful things will happen in our broken situations, and praying for people who are suffering. We're continuing to, to plan projects uh, for and with our neighborhood where we can build relationships with people in our neighborhood and not simply hand things out and give things away, but actually form friendships and share with one another and pray for one another and invite people into Bible study. 
We can just keep going on and on. And we can start telling stories of specific names and specific people that we know, that we formed relationships with. People who found themselves in a broken situation. And we walked through together what that would look like for healing. People who are suffering and were given opportunities for healing. People who were at the margins. Who were included. Who were included. When I think about the broken and the suffering and the marginalized, I get overwhelmed. Where do we start? The cynical side of me says, did handing those blankets out last night really make a difference? That cynical side of me that says, the problem is just too big. What could I possibly do? But we just start with one. We start with one. Mother Teresa says this, which will just be a kick in the seat for most of us. I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I look at the individual. I can only love one person at a time, just one, one, one. So you begin, I begin. I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I, would have, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. The whole work is only a drop in the ocean. But if I didn't put the drop in, the ocean would be one drop less. The same thing goes for you. The same thing in your family. The same thing in your church, your community. Just begin. One. 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 The reality of the situation is we are all broken without Jesus. We all find ourselves in this place of brokenness, in need of rescue, in need of restoration, in need of reconciliation, that we are all broken. And if we don't recognize our own brokenness, then it is going to be incredibly difficult for us to see the beauty in others. This is not, they are broken. This is, we are broken. We are broken. We are suffering. We are marginalized. And we need a God who will rescue us. And we have that in Jesus Christ. Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time at the tables of communion. A time for us to remember our brokenness. A time for us to remember our need for a Savior. 
that God wants to make all things beautiful, and he wants to do that in each and every one of us, and he does that through Jesus Christ. And so we go to the tables, and we take that piece of bread, and we take that cup, and we remember who Jesus is, and we remember the new life that we have, and the hope of a future that we have because of Jesus. This is a time for us to to go to the tables, to share with one another. It's a time for us to pray with one another, uh, seek out one of our shepherds, uh, pray as a life group, pray as a family, pray that, that we will have eyes for the things that are beautiful and that he will give us eyes for the things that are broken and that we will be faithful in doing our one thing in trying to make that brokenness whole again. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this ministry of reconciliation that you've given each and every one of us. God, would you show us what it looks like in our own little corner of the world. Show us what is beautiful. Show us what is broken. And show us how we can make just one drop in the ocean. Just one drop in the ocean. To bring new life into that space. And we thank you for all the incredible work that is being done by this family. Things that are not even seen as we love one another, as we love others around us. God, continue to to fuel our drive, to fuel our, our passion for you and the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray.